Feasting? Drinking, feasting, and eating. So uh, we're going to share a little bit. If you, if you like, you could flip your chair around so I can see you and you can see me. I'd like to speak to you, your face, and to the back of your head. So uh, just turn around, spin around a little bit. You can keep eating. There's probably some more pizza left dessert for you at the end of the meeting. So uh, the copier was not working <clears throat> too well, and neither is my voice. A little bit more water here. So we're going to use the screen up here for our verses, or you can use your Bible. It's always good to have your Bible with you. Always have my Bible with me. And then we'll have copies for the group reading. Uh, we'll circle up and have some reading for you along the same line. So, what book are we in? Exodus. Good. How many are doing the Exodus Old Testament reading? Oh, a good number of you. Good. So, what chapter was today? Nobody remember? Okay, keep reading. And Exodus is a continuation of the book of Genesis. And Genesis uh, shows God's purpose, God's calling, God's uh, after he created man. So he's very interested in man, you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is very interested in you. You can tell your neighbor, actually, Actually, you can tell your neighbor that God's purpose is with you. And you can tell your neighbor, without you, God cannot fulfill his purpose. And one more thing, tell your neighbor, therefore, you're a VIP, a very important person. So we like to give you God's view of things. You know, man has his view, man has his way, man has his life. God has his purpose, his design, his uh, working out, and you're right in the center of it, especially since you're here tonight. We're going to talk about things like this. So Genesis progresses on. Eventually, uh, there's a famine. They go down into a country called Egypt. And they get stuck there because there's a famine. God arranges a famine. So this is all according to God's doing. And they're down there for 400 years. And it's time to get them out because they have become slaves. They're in a slave house. They are under harsh task masters. They were made and they were called for God's purpose, but they flipped into Egypt, which typifies the world that we live in today. Satan has Satan is a ruler of this this world. So if you could peel back uh, all the things going on in the world and look at the mastermind behind the world design, you would see Satan. And he appears in very beautiful form, very attractive form, even not evil. I mean, what's wrong with money? You gotta have it. What's wrong with uh, well we just go down a list of things that's up during the night. But he rules the world, and so Egypt typifies the world, and the ruler Pharaoh typifies Satan. So 
Uh, as you're reading through Exodus, you'll see that the world did not want to release these Israelites. He just tried his hardest, and eventually uh, there came a time where an extreme conflict was there, and what it took to get these people out of Egypt, where Pharaoh released them, was the slaying of their firstborn. Do you imagine? Probably not too many mothers in here or fathers, but soon to be sometime. And you have a little baby, a little baby boy. And uh, that child is the death angel comes and takes that child away. So this caused the Egyptians to say, okay, enough. Pharaoh said, let these people go. So there is a transfer from a house of slavery. Put your hands behind you, uh, just uh, like a slave. Like, what's a good way of a slave? You change. How about you change the chair? So you're just right there, and only I can release you. Only I can tell you what to do. Uh, you're my property. Uh, you have no rights. And by the way, uh, by the way, I uh, own you, your family, the whole thing, children. So you're my slave. So this is what happens. So God's delivering them from this bondage. The world is actually bondage. People think it's um, uh, freedom and liberty, but actually it's bondage. So uh, God prepares an exodus, and the way he gets them out is there's a feast. It's called the Feast of Passover. It's the Passover lamb. We covered that before. And where a lamb is slain, and they eat that lamb, and they take off. And this was such a great historical event in their history that God wants them to remember it every year. So he instituted a feast of the Passover. This was the first feast of their, their sacred calendar. Israel has two calendars, a civil calendar and a sacred calendar. It's kind of like you. You have two calendars. You know you have two calendars? What are your two calendars? Justin, what do you think your two calendars are? One's 12 months in the year. One's 12 months in the year. It starts January. And what day were you born physically? December 16th. Oh, coming up. OK, that's one calendar. Okay, then Justin, you have a, another calendar. What's your other calendar? That's your sacred calendar. And what's this calendar? What calendar am I talking about? Come on, Hudson, help Justin, Timothy. Okay, you're born. That started at the beginning of time, your physical life. You were reborn. You remember when you were reborn? When the Spirit of God enlivened you when you said, Jesus, I love you, and then boom, what happened? That part in you that was dead and came alive. Yeah, your spirit became alive. You began, you had a new beginning. And that's on another calendar. And that's called your spiritual calendar. And uh, now you're making good progress. You've been baptized? Yes. Okay. And you're enjoying the Lord? Reading the word. I see with the brothers you're feasting. So we'll talk about this a little bit more. So we have a second calendar. So uh, they're keeping the feast. 
of unleavened bread, the Passover. And God wants them to remember that one period of time in their history for 400 years, not 40, 400 years, they were enslaved. And God released them. God delivered them. Two million of them. So this was a huge event in their history. So God wants them to remember every year, I want you to keep this Passover. And the Passover feast, actually there were seven feasts. Uh, we're going to talk about three of them because only three times a year did they go up to Jerusalem. And we can explain a little bit their calendar and how these feasts work. Uh, so the first one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And these are types. Let's all read. Can you see? If you can't see that, why don't you pull out your Bible, Exodus 23. And let's read 14, 15, and 16. How about all together? Who can, can everybody see it? Okay, if you can't, use your Bible. So how about, how about this side read 14, this side 15, we'll all do 16. This is in Exodus chapter 23. Let's go over here. to the table, and you know the expectation and the, all the labor, sweat that went into that, that fruit is the tastiest. That's called first fruits. The Bible uses this term to describe believers. Believers. It also describes Christ, but also describes believers. So this was the uh, Feast of Harvest, and then as the time went on, they harvested the rest of the crop, and that's called an ingathering. You see uh, 16, the Feast of Ingathering. So then they would just harvest the whole field. Everything else got to be brought into the house and enjoyed. So you have these three stages, uh, these three feasts, uh, that God wanted them to keep yearly. So one year go by, actually the Feast of Unleavened Bread, read uh, Leviticus 23, or these verses of Exodus, it was in the month of Abib, and this is a restart calendar, Justin. This was now the sacred calendar, and this was the beginning of the year. The 
month of Abib, and I think on the 10th month they slayed the lamb, the 14th month they passed over, they left, it's 1492 B.C. Not, uh, not Columbus sailed the ocean blue, 1492 A.D., but B.C., we're talking about thousands of years ago. And by the way, this was the same feast that they kept when Jesus was alive. You know, when he was 12 years old, he went up to Jerusalem to keep one of these feasts. So from 1492, approximately 40 years later, would be 1450 when they entered the good land. They kept this that many years every year to remember this great event when they, the whole people were delivered. And that's a great picture of Christian life. I hope you realize when you turn to the Lord and you receive the Lord, you are delivered. You are saved. You're redeemed. You're called into another life. And you have to restart the calendar. And it's a huge event in a person's life, just like with the children of Israel. And it was a corporate event. They came out together. Okay, so let's look at the reality in the New Testament. So the Jewish people were keeping this year by year by year by year by year. And then Christ comes... And he is the reality of these feasts. Yes, Jesus is our... Yes, if we haven't learned to enjoy the Lord Jesus, then we need to enter into this kind of a Christian life where we enjoy. Put those two words together. Enjoy Jesus. Let's say that. Enjoy Jesus. Now, let me just ask you. What, in your mind, what, what would you consider a feast? If you, if you could throw a feast or be invited to a great feast, what would, the, what, would the, what would be there? What would be a real feast for you? Let's name a few things. What, what comes to mind? If you're going to have a feast, what's going to be there? Huh? Chicken? At least barbecue beef, man. Okay, so it's got to be food, right? Don't, you can't feast without food, right? So you name it. You name it. You grow it. You... you Produce it, you have, whatever it is, you bring it. So your favorite, your favorite dish. What's your favorite dish back home? Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Bring it on, man. <laughs> Let the spaghetti fly. Okay, what else besides food do you want in the feast? Huh? Steak. What? Steak. Steak? Steak. Steak food. Who went to Fogo? Who, who, were the, uh, who were the interns that got to go to Fogo? What's it called? Yeah. Now, was that a feast or not? Okay, what else was, what else, what else was at that feast when we had just that place? Brazilian Steakhouse. What else would you, what else would you want in that, uh, that environment? Something to drink. Right, right. Well, who said over here what? Family. Yes. And who is our real eternal family? Brothers and sisters. So you want other people there, right? If you enjoy a feast, you, you eat all that by yourself, that'd be a feast, you do it just by yourself. It's still good, be good right? But don't you want your friend here? What about CK? Pull up here, CK, let's chat, boy. Okay? You want people. And you want the people that you're, you like to hang with, right? The people that you enjoy being with. That's, that's part of a feast, and we could go on. So these were feasts. This is, these are some of the elements. They had family, they had relatives, they had food, they, uh, they were rejoicing, and they had God. Wow, add that into the feast. So real enjoyment 
of the very being of God. All that is, Cameron, you can't even fathom. I know you're a smart, bright guy, but you can't even wrap that brain around all that God has. A verse says, it's had him come up in my heart. What God prepared for those who love him. You keep loving You keep loving on Jesus. And you're going to see more and more revelation of what he is, who he is, and who he is to you personally. And many kind of applications, many kind of experiences. So this feast uh, was in Corinth. Uh, this first application is a feast of unleavened bread. And so this is Paul's application. When he's talking to the Corinthians now, we're... Uh, reeling forward to the New Testament age. This is 14 or 50 years since they started these feasts. And now the Lord, as in Corinthians, he's already been on the earth, lived his life, crucified, resurrected. And so there's a church in the city of Corinth. These are believers. Now we're talking to, about believers here. This epistle is written to believers. just like you and me, not unbelievers. And there's a sad situation in that group of, with every believer, and one brother, evil brother, uh, well, let's just read. Uh, you, how about this side one, this side two, alternate. This time it's your turn. No, one. Pizza crust for me. Give me a pizza crust right there. Yeah, that one right there. <laughs> Any one of them. It's all the same. Okay, this right here. This is dough. This came from dough. And this, this is nice and uh, chewy. It's easy to eat. It's easy to eat. Why is this easy to eat? It's been leaven. They put yeast into it, so it puffs it up. Leaven makes things easy. If I gave you some unleavened bread, which, by the way, is what we eat. You know, every week, I don't know if you're aware of this, we have what's called the Lord's Supper, Lord's Table, where we gather. And by the way, these feasts were holy convocations, sorry, where they gathered and they enjoyed feasting. And at this feast, which we have every week, it's unleavened bread. So it's just flat. You see how this is this rises, but this unleavened is flat. It's got no leaven in it. I mean, Christ, it represents Christ. He's sinless. Imagine that, Justin. You can't imagine it. But if you never ever sin, what would that be like? Well, that's Christ's life. Sinless life. So eating the unleavened bread means to partake of Christ's life. So it says leaven the whole lump. A little leaven, 
put it in, Megan, and the, the whole lump. So what's the whole lump here? What, you put a little leaven in, okay, so here's the, some dough. Now stick a little leaven in part of it. But eventually, the whole lump gets leavened. What does that mean? What's the whole lump? Come on, you have to dig a little bit here. What's Paul talking about? The whole lump, what do you think? What's the lump? Look around. Say, hey, lump. The whole lump is the believers who are gathered in Corinth. They are the whole lump. So if you let this sinful brother, if you don't remove him from the midst, you let this sinful brother be among the other believers, the lump, eventually the whole thing, the thing will spread. The thing will spread and the whole lump will be polluted in this case. Okay, so uh, then it says... Uh, where are we? Who's reading this? I stopped uh, you guys. No, go. What does it say? What's his recommendation? Go. Seven. such an ugly situation that seems so difficult and he would use that to reveal a tough revelation of how we live the Christian life. We live the Christian life by what? Eating. Eating. Say that. Eating. Eating the unleavened bread. And we begin that. This is the beginning. Uh, actually this feast was in the month of Abed. Uh, 
Uh, and then this next feast was seven, uh, it came later when the harvest was ready, and eventually the last feast of in-gathering was uh, the seventh month when the whole harvest was ready. So that shows that we begin our Christian life by eating, and then through that eating, we end our Christian life by eating, by partaking. So it's good for a whole Christian life. So this is the beginning, this is Paul's application of Christ as the peace. So he reveals Christ the Passover, and Christ is the one we eat. And then let's go to B, the Feast of Harvest. Uh, this is also called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. And in 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits. So Christ is the first fruits. What that means is when Christ, what do you think that means? Christ the first fruits. What, what, what is he talking about here? First fruits. First to what? Think about farming. Springtime comes up, you plant, you sow, and then something rises up. And the first to rise up. So when Christ rose up, not only did he rise up, uh, but did you realize that the tombs were open? And many of the saints, the bodies of the saints, get a hold of this. The tombs were open. And the, the believers who had already died, they came out, Hudson, alive. Many of them came together. So there's first fruits. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And in the Old Testament times, this is like taking a sheaf. We don't use that term so much, but it's a bundle of whatever you harvested. And they waved it for God for his enjoyment. God enjoyed eating that. Man enjoyed eating that. So these were the first fruits that were the result of the labor for God to enjoy. So on the day of Christ's resurrection, he became the first to rise from the dead. And when he came out, a bunch of them came with him. Wonderful. And you're going to come out too. Don't worry. It's not over yet. You'll pop out of that grave too one day. It's coming. Just as sure as your death is, unless the Lord comes back while you're alive, you're going to pop out. You're going to come alive. Okay, and then 8.23 says that the first fruits, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So you put this together and you see the amazing fact, and many Christians uh, don't appreciate this that much, but Christ as the first fruit, when he was raised from the dead, he came up as the Spirit. Not just bodily, he was raised bodily with a glorified body, but he, just like in farming, when you bury a seed of wheat in the ground of corn, does it come up as a seed of corn? Farmer, who your, your farmer boy? When you bury a seed and it comes up, does a seed come out? What comes out? A sprout. It's much fuller of life, another form of life. In fact, if you're into nutrition and you like to eat good stuff, it's much better to eat sprouts, Margie, than the seed. Because it's gone through a release of that life. The power of that life has now been released and it's filled that sprout. So eat sprouts. Put some sprouts on that spaghetti. <laughs> so he raised as a spirit. He was raised as a spirit. So this spirit gives life and we see in Acts that on the day of Pentecost, what does penta mean, you math majors? 
five. So Pentecost was 50 days after he raised, was raised from the dead, just like in the Old Testament, Cameron. Amazing thing. On the very day, 50 days, right according to the calendar, right on time, God, again. What happened? What happened on that great day? This was the beginning of what we are in today. What happened? What happened? That day, Acts 2, it says the day of Pentecost is being fulfilled. They're all together just like us. And suddenly there was a sound out of heaven as a rushing mighty violent wind. And it filled the whole house. And there were tongues of fire. And they began, okay, four. Let's read four. What happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And a few verses later, how many were saved through, through that act? And Peter speaking, go. 41. Those then who received his word were baptized, and there were added on that day about 3,000 souls. Consider the, the power and the, the energy and the life, the life power that was released, just like that sprout coming up when the Lord poured out the Spirit. This was a huge event in history. Nothing like this had ever happened. These people were speaking not in unknown tongues, but they were speaking foreign languages. The Lord gave them a gift for the purpose of spreading the gospel, for speaking God's word. That's what that gift was all about, for people to get saved. But the Spirit was a factor that caused all this to happen. So the Spirit was... If I could just pour out on all of you, let me try, Justin. Just imagine, you're in that room, you're praying, and then how about this? The Spirit is poured out. Did you feel that? A little bit? A little more? Okay. So you're there praying, and the Spirit comes on everybody. And they're empowered. And these had already received the Spirit for life inwardly on the day of His resurrection, but now... For the ministry, they're clothed. So this was their the move of the Lord. The move was his, this day set in motion. It launched uh, what we're enjoying today. The Spirit is still being poured out. The Spirit's already been poured out. That's why you're here, Hudson. And that's why you were, this summer I saw you on the campus and you were speaking to people. You, anybody here you spoke to on the campus? Who spoke to you, Justin? Uh, Jose Luis. Who else spoke to you? So, anyway, a bunch of us were on the campus. I saw you on the campus speaking. Anybody here you spoke to? So here's, listen, she's so shy and so hard for her to get any word out, but she's like a tiger when the spirit comes on her in the summer. Let me ask he just speaks, speaks Christ, speaks Christ, speaks Christ, and the Spirit gets imparted. So it's still happening. All right, and then you have the Feast of Ingathering. So this, like we mentioned, was the general harvest at the end, and this can be applied on quite a few levels. It can be applied in your individual life, that this feast that you started and that uh, continued in the feast of harvest it will continue your whole life and if you stay on this track 
then eventually the Lord will receive you into his thousand-year kingdom, which is going to follow this age, and you'll be there as an overcomer, uh, still enjoying, and then after that age, there's a new heaven and new earth, which will consummate. It's like the, the consummation, the eternal resting place. These people in Egypt, they were in tents. They were there dwelling in tents, not a permanent resting place, but eventually we'll have an eternal, secure resting place in God. Wow. And God in us. So this points to, on an individual level, then you can take it on a corporate level, because these are a group of people, and it's applied to the church, so a group of people who are uh, going on together, laboring together, taking care of one another, they also have a rich entry into the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year period, and into the New Jerusalem. So you have an individual application. We all need to be seeking the Lord, continuing with the Lord, and then we need to be with others going on with a group, a body of Christians. And then you have a UT application. Here's where we're going to stop so you have more time to read. We do have the reading available, but we're not going to hand it out just yet. I want you to really focus on this because how are we going to apply this? Okay, you have an individual application. You have your own calendar, Justin, and you're on the spiritual diet here. You're growing. And then we have uh, the church life, uh, eating, drinking, breathing Jesus. And then we come to UT. And so now we like to apply it to what's going on in the last few years, how the Lord has led us in the last few years in application. And so you can look at these feasts as a sowing time in the beginning with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's like sowing Christ in. When the children of Israel left Egypt, Christ, the picture that Christ was sown in to them. And we also have Christ sown into us. So there's a period of time we do year by year. Remember, this is a yearly thing. So around May, this is uh, not the UT calendar or the secular calendar of January through December, but this is our calendar. Our spiritual calendar starts at the end of May, and it goes till April. And so the first part of this is sowing. So from May to August, we have uh, coming up this May. How many were with us in the internship? This last 2015 internship, raise your hand up if you helped us out. So a little higher, let's see. So this is, what, this is how we apply these three feasts and if we keep these three feasts and these different levels of applications, eventually, no problem in the thousand-year period, no problem with the Lord, and you will arrive and enjoy all the riches if we're on track now. So one of these applications, we're going to have a team reunion. That means there's teams around the whole U.S. that are laboring on the campus. And we're going to gather in Irving, Texas, most of the ones in this region. And then right after that, the end of May, we're going to have an internship training about four days, where those interns, by interns I mean students who want to give their summer, part of their summer, their whole summer, to the Lord to be with those serving right here on this campus. And that goes up to the 1st of June, and then there's, uh, you got June and July, freshman orientations, then we move into counseling high schools, and the bottom of the school, we have mission trips. So this is a sewing period. This is like the Feast of Unleavened Bread which followed the Feast of Passover just in the very next day. So the whole, it's eight days right there. So this is a period of time.
And that's when we're sowing. Christ is getting sown into you, right, Hudson? Yeah. You changed so much between before and after the apprenticeship. I can't believe how much Christ was sown into you and sown into others. So Christ is being sown into you, and you're speaking to others. So this is a sowing period. Then we hit the reaping, the first fruits. And that's the birth of school, beginning of school. And I'd like all the freshmen who are here tonight, it's the very end of October. How about if you're a freshman, could you please stand up? Freshman, or we met you at the beginning of school and so I want you to stand up. Okay, look around. Okay. You guys are first fruits. Stand up. Keep standing up. You are the first fruits of our labor. You are the ones Christ has been enjoying and eating. You think you're happy. You don't know how, how, how happy the Father is. He's just laughing it up. Father God is just enjoying you. What's your name? Chase. Chase. He's chased you down, man. <laughs> and now he's loving on you, man. <laughs> All of you are considered first fruits to God. Remember, these are feasts unto God. So God is loving. And on this campus, which is full of fornication, full of leaven, you say, you brothers and sisters have chosen to eat the unleavened bread with the people of God. And you have a great reward, not only in this age, but in that which is coming. So, and there's others that are here tonight, but you'd be considered the first fruits through September and October. You responded to the seed being planted, and now look at you. You're growing day by day. So, praise the Lord for you. How about the rest of us say, praise the Lord for you. Praise the Lord for you. We're so happy. If you weren't here tonight, this meeting would not be nearly as exciting. Do you know how much excitement you add to God's life and our life? You don't know. It's like children in a family. Okay, you can sit down. Okay, so you have this feast, and then, uh, so that goes September, October, and then there's others we met, and they're not quite far as long. They're not quite as far along as you are, but they're coming along. They're growing, but they haven't just, they weren't the first ones to come out. Only the first ones are first, and then there's the rest of them. So that's fine, too. They're all tasty. And that's through the rest of the year, November right now, uh, through April, we're growing and there'll be the in gathering. So by the end of this year, actually in December, we'll have a celebration meeting for many of you to speak, the first fruits. And by the end of the year, school year in May, we'll have another celebration meeting at the end and there'll be others that have been added to us since this semester. You believe it? I believe it. And so then, the ground is cleared, and guess what happens in the end of May 2015, 2016? Uh, then it starts over again. We, we, we end our year, you see right there, through April. And then, guess what? A whole other crop of freshmen come up. And now you freshmen, who are going to be sophomores, you have an opportunity to sow Christ into the ones just one year younger than you. And you are the best one. Are you a, you're not a sophomore, are you? What are you? A freshman. Okay. You are the best one. You are the, you are the closest to them. They understand you the most. You can relate to them the most. I'm like their grandpa. Like, get away from me, old man. But to you, oh, just tell me whatever you want to tell me. I'll follow you. So consider your summer. We've talked about this. We had a special meeting. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we had two meetings, one here and then one the following this meeting, and we 
had the interns speaking. So my time is out, but this is a great application year by year, year by year, and if you take this road, if the Lord leads you this way, pretty certain you're living the Christian life by eating unleavened bread, and the Lord will be so happy and receive you uh, to the eternal tabernacles. Okay?